Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email, also sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day in both text and audio form. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 14, Bringing Illusions to Truth, with Section 3, Out of the Darkness. At the top of the hour, we do pause to touch in with our lesson for the day, which is Lesson 157, into His Presence Would I Enter Now. And that will be led today, so often as by and that's the most friend. Okay. Well, and for an opening this morning, uh, was led to something that <laughs> it may be something I need reminding of, but <clears throat> I think it is it is a part of um, well, maybe describes how the way out of conflict can seem like more conflict, but isn't really. So this is a few little bits from Chapter 5, Healing and Wholeness, The Voice for God. You are the kingdom of heaven, but you have let the belief in darkness enter your mind, and so you need a new light. The Holy Spirit is the radiance that you must let banish the idea of darkness. His is the glory before which dissociation falls away and the kingdom of heaven breaks through into its own. Before the separation, you did not need guidance. You knew as you will know again, but as you do not know now. God does not guide because he can, only, he can share only perfect knowledge. 
guidance is evaluative because it implies there is a right way and also a wrong way, one to be chosen and the other to be avoided. By choosing one, you give up the other. This is a conflict state. It means that knowledge has been lost because knowledge is sure. God is not in you in a literal sense. You are part of him. When you chose to leave him, he gave you a voice to speak for him because he could no longer share his knowledge with you without hindrance. Direct communication was broken because you had made another voice through another will. The Holy Spirit calls you both to remember and to forget. You have chosen to be in a state of opposition in which opposites are possible. As a result, there are choices which you must make. In the holy state, the will is free in the sense that its creative power is unlimited, but choice itself is meaningless. Freedom to choose is the same power as freedom to create, but its application is different. Choosing means divided will. The Holy Spirit is one way of choosing. This way is in you because there is also another way. God did not leave his children comfortless even though they chose to leave him. The voice they put in their minds was not the voice of his will for which the Holy Spirit speaks. The call to return is stronger than the call to depart, but it speaks in a different way. A little bit more. The voice of the Holy Spirit does not command because it is incapable of arrogance. It does not demand because it does not seek control. It does not overcome because it does not attack. It merely reminds. It is compelling only because of what it reminds you of. The voice for God is always quiet because it speaks of peace. Yet peace is stronger than war because it heals. War is division, not increase. No one gains from strife. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne. Oh, you are welcome. <clears throat> well, that may have needed that, but um, something to. Bring on that moment of silence. Okay. Um, 
I'm going to go through the reading list. Let's see. I have, uh, with us in reading, I have Fran, Donna, Jessica, and Judy. With us in listening is Harrison, Kristen, and Lana. Is there anyone else who's joined us who would like to say good morning and maybe join the reading list or just say hi? I would like to join the reading list. And hello, everybody. It's Robin Marie. <laughs> Thank you, Robin Marie. Anyone else want to say good morning before we start? Okay, I'll get us rolling then. In Chapter 14, Bringing Illusions to Truth. Section 3, Out of the Darkness. The journey that we undertake together is the exchange of dark for light, of ignorance for understanding. Nothing you understand is fearful. It is only in darkness and ignorance that you perceive the frightening. And you shrink away from it to further darkness. And yet it is only the hidden that can terrify, not for what it is, but for its hiddenness. The obscure is frightening because you do not understand its meaning. If you did, it would be clear, and you would be no longer in the dark. Nothing has hidden value, for what is hidden cannot be shared, and so its value is unknown. The hidden is kept apart, but value always lies in joint appreciation. What is concealed cannot be loved, and so it must be feared. Chapter 14, Bringing Illusions to Truth, Section 3, Out of the Darkness, Paragraph 16. The journey that we undertake together is the exchange of dark for light, of ignorance for understanding. Nothing you understand is fearful. It is only in darkness and in ignorance that you perceive the frightening, and you shrink away from it to further darkness. And yet it is only the hidden that can terrify, not for what it is, but for its hiddenness. The obscure is frightening because you do not understand its meaning. If you did, it would be clear, and you would be no longer in the dark. Nothing has hidden value, for what is hidden cannot be shared, and so its value is unknown. The hidden is kept apart, but value always lies in joint appreciation. What is concealed cannot be loved, and so it must be feared. 17. The quiet light in which the Holy Spirit dwells within you is merely perfect openness in which nothing is hidden, and therefore nothing is fearful. Attack will always yield to love, if it is brought to love, not hidden from it. There is no darkness that the light of love will not dispel, unless it is concealed by love's beneficence. What is kept apart from love cannot share its healing power, 
because it has been separated off and kept in darkness. The sentinels of darkness watch over it carefully, and you who made these guardians of illusions out of nothing are now afraid of them. Thank you, Bran. And Donna. Seventeen. The quiet light in which the Holy Spirit dwells within you is merely perfect openness in which nothing is hidden and therefore nothing is fearful. Attack will always yield to love if it is brought to love, not hidden from it. There is no darkness that the light of love will not dispel unless it is concealed from love's beneficence. What is kept apart from love cannot share its healing power because it has been separated off and kept in darkness. The sentinels of darkness watch over it carefully, and you who have made these guardians of illusion out of nothing are now afraid of them. 18. Would you continue to give imagined power to these strange ideas of safety? They are neither safe nor unsafe. They do not protect, neither do they attack. They do nothing at all, being nothing at all. As guardians of darkness and of ignorance, look to them only for fear. For what they keep obscure is fearful. But let them go, and what was fearful will be so no longer. Without protection of obscurity, only the light of love remains. For only in this has meaning and can live in light. Everything else must disappear. Thank you, Donna. And Jessica. Okay, sorry, my page just flipped. Um, 18? Yeah. 18. Would you continue give imagined power to these strange ideas of safety? They are neither safe nor unsafe. They do not protect. Neither do they attack. They do nothing at all, being nothing at all. As guardians of darkness and of ignorance, look to them only for fear. For what they keep obscure is fearful. But let them go, and what was fearful will be so no longer. Without protection of obscurity, only the light of love remains. For only this has meaning and can live in light. Everything else must disappear. 19. Death yields to life simply because destruction is not true. The light of guiltlessness shines guilt away because when they are brought together, the truth of one must make the falsity of its opposite 
perfectly clear. Keep not guilt and guiltlessness apart, for your belief that you can have them both is meaningless. All you have done by keeping them apart is lose their meaning by confusing them with each other. And so you do not realize that only one means anything and the other is wholly without sense of any kind. Thank you, Jessica. And Judy. Oh, sorry, LeMoyne, I need to pass right now. Thank you. Okie dokie, no problem. Uh, so it's to you, Robin Murray. Nineteen. Death yields to life simply because destruction is not true. The light of guiltlessness shines guilt away because when they are brought together, the truth of one must make the falsity of its opposite perfectly clear. Keep not guilt and guiltlessness apart, for your belief that you can have them both is meaningless. All you have done by keeping them apart is lose their meaning by confusing them with each other. And so you do not realize that only one means anything and the other is wholly without any sense of any kind. 20. You have interpreted the separation as a means which you have made for breaking your communication with your father. The Holy Spirit reinterprets it as a means of reestablishing what has not been broken, but has been made obscure. All things you made have use for him. All things you made have use to him for his most holy purpose. He knows you are not separate from God, but he perceives much in your mind that lets you think you are. All this and nothing else would he separate from you. The power of decision which you made in place of the power of creation, he would teach you how to use on your behalf. You who made it to crucify yourselves must learn of him how to apply it to the holy cause of restoration. Thank you, Robin Murray. And is there a new reader for 20 and 21? New reader for 20 and 21? Okay, back to you, Bryn. 20. You have interpreted this separation as a means which you have made for breaking your communication with your father. The Holy Spirit reinterprets it as a means of reestablishing what has not been broken, what has been made obscure. All things you made have use to him for his most holy purpose. He knows you are not separate from God, but he perceives much in your mind that lets you think you are. All this and nothing else would he separate from you. 
The power of decision, which you made in place of the power of creation, he would teach you how to use on your behalf. You who made it to crucify yourselves must learn of him how to apply it to the holy cause of restoration. 21. You who speak in dark and devious symbols do not understand the language you have made. It has no meaning, for its purpose is not communication, but rather disruption of communication. If the purpose of language is communication, how can this tongue mean anything? Yet even the strange and twisted effort to communicate through not communicating holds enough of love to make it meaningful if its interpreter is not its maker. You who made it are but expressing conflict from which the Holy Spirit would release you. Leave what you will communicate to him. He will interpret it to you with perfect clarity for he knows with whom you are in perfect communication. And thank you, Fran. And Donna. Twenty-one. You who speak in dark and devious symbols do not understand the language you have made. It has no meaning, for its purpose is not communication, but rather the disruption of communication. If the purpose of language is to communicate, how can this tongue mean anything? Yet even this strange and twisted effort to communicate through not communicating holds enough of love to make it meaningful if its interpreter is not its maker. You who made it are but expressing conflict from which the Holy Spirit would release you. Leave what you would communicate to him. He will interpret it to you with perfect clarity, for he knows with whom you are in perfect communication. 22. You know not what you say, and so you know not what is said to you. Yet your interpreter perceives the meaning in your alien language. He will not attempt to communicate the meaningless, but he will separate out all that has meaning, dropping off the rest and offering you true communication to those who would communicate as truly with you. You speak two languages at once, and this must lead to unintelligibility. Yet, if one means nothing and the other everything, only that one is possible for purposes of communication. The other but interferes with it. Thank you, Donna. And Jessica. Thank you. 22. You know not what to say, and so you know not what is said to you. Yet your interpreter, capital I, perceives the meaning in your alien language. He will not attempt to communicate the meaningless, but he will separate out 
all that has meaning, dropping off the rest and offering your true communication to those who would communicate as truly with you. You speak two languages at once, and this must lead to an unintelligibility. Yet if one means nothing and the other everything, only that one is possible for purposes of communication. The other but interferes with it. The Holy Spirit's function is entirely communication. He therefore must remove whatever interferes with it in order to restore it. Therefore, keep no source of interference from his sight, for he will not attack your sentinels, but bring them to him and let his gentleness teach you that in the light they are not fearful and cannot serve to guard the dark doors behind which nothing at all is carefully concealed. We must open all doors and let the light come streaming through. There are no hidden chambers in God's temple. Its gates are open wide to greet his son. No one can fail to come where God has called him if he close not the door himself upon his father's welcome. Thank you, Jessica. And Robin Marie. The Holy Spirit's function is entirely communication. He therefore must remove whatever interferes with it in order to restore it. Therefore, keep no source of interference from his sight, for he will not attack your sentinels, but bring them to him, and let his gentleness teach you that in the light they are not fearful and cannot serve to guard the dark doors behind which nothing at all is carefully concealed. We must open all doors and let the light come streaming through. There are no hidden chambers in God's temple. Its gates are open wide to greet his son. No one can fail to come where God has called him if he closed not the door himself upon his father's welcome. I can't hear anybody. Are you on mute, someone? Yeah, I was. Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Just finishing that first sentence. Thank you. Um, So to recap uh, the section three of chapter 14, bringing illusions to truth um, out of the darkness, section three. The journey we undertake together is the exchange for dark, the exchange of dark 
or light, of ignorance or understanding. Nothing you understand is fearful. It is only the hidden that can terrify, not for what it is, but for its hiddenness. Nothing has hidden value, for what is hidden cannot be shared, and so its value is unknown. The hidden is kept apart, but value always lies in joint appreciation. What is concealed cannot be loved, and so it must be feared. Quiet light in which the Holy Spirit dwells within you is merely, the, is merely perfect openness in which nothing is hidden and therefore nothing is fearful. What is kept apart from love cannot share its healing power because it has been separated off and kept in darkness. Would you continue to give imagined power to the strange idea of safety? It's neither safe nor unsafe. Without protection of obscurity, only the light of love remains, for only this has meaning and can live in light. Everything else must disappear. The light of guiltlessness shines guilt away because when they are brought together, the truth of one must make the falsity of its opposite perfectly clear. Keep not guilt and guiltlessness apart, for your belief that you can have them both is meaningless. You have interpreted the separation as a means which you have made for breaking communication with your Father. The Holy Spirit reinterprets it as a means of reestablishing what has not been broken but has been made obscure. The power of decision, well, let me get back up a little more. He knows. The Holy Spirit knows you are not separate from God, but he perceives much in your mind that lets you think you are. All this and nothing else would he separate from you. The power of decision which you made in place of the power of creation, he would teach you how to use on your behalf. You who made it to crucify yourselves must learn of him how to apply it to the holy cause of restoration. You who speak in dark and devious symbols do not understand the language you have made. It has no meaning, for its purpose is not communication, but rather the disruption of perfect of communication. You who made it are but expressing conflict from which the Holy Spirit would release you. Leave what you would communicate to him. 
he will interpret it to you with perfect clarity, for he knows with whom you are in perfect communication. You know not what you say until you know not what is said to you. Yet your interpreter, Holy Spirit, perceives the meaning in your alien language. He will not attempt to communicate the meaning but he will separate out all that has meaning, dropping off the rest and offering your true communication to those who would communicate as truly with you. You speak two languages at once, and this must lead to unintelligibility. Yet if one means nothing and the other everything, only that latter one, is possible for purposes of communication. The other but interferes with it. The Holy Spirit's function is entirely communication. He therefore must remove whatever interferes with it in order to restore it. Therefore, keep no source of interference from his sight for he will not attack your sentinel, but bring them to him and let his gentleness teach you that in the light they are not fearful and cannot serve to guard the dark doors behind which nothing at all is carefully concealed. We must open all doors and let the light come streaming through There are no hidden chambers in God's temple. Its gates are open wide to greet his son. No one can fail to come where God has called him if he close not the door himself upon his father's welcome. All right, we have a a few minutes before the top of the hour.
Well, thank you all. That uh, <laughs> I kept uh, wondering, have I broken the call? <laughs> and then I remembered, you know, words are for the separate ones who cannot listen in silence. So thank you for that. So, friend, I think that Thank was. Thank you, Lamoy. Thanks, Lamoy. I think, I think that was a wonderful introduction to Lesson One Fifty Seven. <laughs> Into yeah. his presence would I enter now? Yeah. Take it from here. Thank you. Thank you all. Hi, everybody. We are still in the first part of the workbook, and today we're on one less, Lesson One Fifty Seven. Into his presence would I enter now. So I shall read some from the lesson, and then we'll do our five-minute practice on the lesson. Okay. Into his presence would I enter now. This is a day of silence and of trust. It is a special time of promise in your calendar of days. This day is holy, for it ushers in a new experience, a different kind of feeling and awareness. You have spent long days and nights in celebrating death. Today, you learn to feel the joy of life. There is another crucial, this is another crucial turning point in the curriculum. We add a new dimension now, a fresh experience that sheds a light on all that we have learned already and prepares us for what we have yet to learn. Today, it will be given you to feel a touch of heaven though you will return to paths of learning. He will direct your practicing today. For what you ask for now is what he wills. And having joined your will with his this day, what you are asking must be given you. From this day forth, your ministry takes on a genuine devotion and a glow that travels from your fingertips to those you touch and blesses those you look upon. A vision reaches everyone you meet and everyone you think of or who thinks of you. Your body will be sanctified today. Its only purpose being now to bring the vision of what you experience this day to light the world. As this experience increases and all goals but this become of little worth, the world to which you will return becomes a little closer to the end of time. The time will come when you will not return in the same form in which you now appear, for you will have no need of it. Yet now it has a purpose and will serve it well. Into Christ's presence will we enter now, serenely unaware of everything except his shining face and perfect love. The vision of his face will stay with you. But there will be an instant which transcends all vision, even this, the holiest. This you will never teach, for you attained it not through learning. Yet the vision speaks of your remembrance of what you knew that instant and will surely know again. So we'll go to our practice now. Lesson 157, into his presence would I enter now.
This is a day of silence and of trust. It is a special time of promise in your calendar of days. Lesson 157. Into his presence would I enter now. Amen. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Thank you, guys. I I just tuned in. I forgot the name of the lesson today. Somebody tell me what it is, okay? The name of the lesson? Yeah, the the title, the first sentence. You know. Into his presence would I enter now. Lesson one fifty seven. Yes. Thank you so much. Would I? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Fran, and everybody for reading um, this lesson today. It always takes me to um, um, a, a different kind of experience in my meditation, in my contemplation of the, this lesson because of the way the, the title is worded, Into His Presence. Would I enter into now? And I think of it as a question, like he's asking me a question. Would I enter into it now? Um, And it goes along so beautifully with the the text reading today. And, you know, the, the ideas that I've learned from the Course and what heaven means, that perfect communication with God in all his creation, everything being together and united and joined in love as one, without any interference or distortion or interpretation, without any judgment. And the reading in the text so beautifully illustrates that to me, illuminates this to to me, that... um, In the darkness, I was blind. In the darkness of perceiving through my body and my body's senses alone, I was very limited and blind to the the wholeness and the oneness of the totality of God's creation. And I saw it from a particular and individual point of view. So in coming to this lesson, would, would I enter into his presence? His knowing awareness of all being one in perfect communication with God. In the light, the light of heaven shining through it, upon it all. And um, not seeing any of the darkness, not seeing any of the, um, the judgment or the guilt laid upon it, as with the body's eyes or the limited 
thought, thinking of the ego, human mind. Um, the joy, what is the line? I love that first paragraph that you reread for us twice because it's, it's Fran, because it's one of the most important ones in, in the lesson. This is a day of silence and of trust, trusting what we've learned so far. And the point that this is a day of silence, that I will be still and listen, listen to the Holy Spirit's interpretation of what I see. I'm not going to think I know what I'm looking at. I'm going to ask, what's happening here? Interpret this for me. How would Christ have me see this? How would God have me see this? And then li listening, in gentle, silent listening, hearing what he would speak of it to me and tell me what it is um, and how its goodness and, and benefit, beneficence can shine through my stillness, my silence, my listening and my trusting him. So there, there's a two-part two um, receiving, knowing in his presence I have the same light of the Holy Spirit that descended upon Jesus Christ. And it speaks of that. I'm reminded in the beginning of the text where J.C. Speaks, speaks to us of, of, of being illuminated with the knowledge of the soul. And here we go, bringing illusions to the truth. That he was illumined with the knowledge of the soul. And the only difference between us now is that's all that he ever had. He didn't have anything else, any of the learning from the world. He let all the learning of the world go. The past. Letting all the interferences of what I think I know the past that interferes, and it speaks so perfectly of this in the last couple paragraphs of the text, that all the language that we learned, all the words that we, we think that, uh, that gives us knowledge, worldly knowledge, is really meaningless. And to still that, that voice that I think I know mind and empty it of it in, in order to give the Holy Spirit a complete and wholehearted welcome with my heart and my mind and my soul in readiness and welcome to listen, just to listen and to look. Listen and to look with, through the eyes of Christ, through vision. So this is a day of silence and of trust and the special time of promise a time of heaven, because I'm allowing heaven to be for me. God's gift to me is heaven, himself, and everything in his creation. And it's timeless, and it's holy. A kind of feeling, an open-hearted opening, a welcoming to the welcome, an awareness of the totality of my reality. And today I learned to feel the joy of life, all of life. And I got goosebumps, so I think I'll, 
<laughs> oh, there are no hidden chambers, no closed doors or windows in God's temple. Open all the doors and let all the light streaming in and through open wide to greet his son, his one son, the totality of his creation. No one can fail to come where God has called him if he closed not the doors upon myself, upon my Father's welcome. Oh, I got goosebumps. Thanks, guys. I so love being here with you all. I'm really grateful. I am complete. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. This is Robin Marie. I had an experience this morning. Before I woke up, I had this dream. And I was just sitting at a table. There was uh, they, there were two women with me. I didn't know who the one on the. I didn't know either of them. But there was there was one on the left that I couldn't see very well. But the one on the right, I could see well. And she was very pleasant looking. She had brunette hair, and and she was asking me if she could hear the recording of a conversation that I'd had with someone else. And I think it was either my sister or my daughter. And I looked at her and I was like uh, really offended <laughs> by that. And really like what business is it of yours? And, and then I started and then I woke up and then I started questioning, what is this that God is trying to show me? You know, <clears throat> what exactly is that? It sounds like from this reading, reading, it's like a hidden chamber. It's like, okay, I, sh- you know, I'm like, okay, I'll accept this brunette <laughs> and just say, yeah, you can listen to the recording. It's fine with me. <laughs> and if I've got any recordings there that shouldn't be there, God, get rid of them. <laughs> so that that was my little share. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I just wanted to say how um, God's God's voice is a non non vocal voice. It's a voice of stillness itself, and and that it's u- universal and um, the same for everything throughout, in and out everything. And I think that's why I was so taken with the text today about the. The, the description of the use of words and and languages and and how we talk and how we still fail to communicate with one another and that the language of God is the language of the heart which doesn't need any words at all that love is expressed for me. yeah thank you thank you I thought it was Thank you. I thought it was interesting in 21. Um, it reminded me of speaking in tongues because I was in a church that did that. And it said, um, let's see, it said, if the purpose of language is communication, how can this tongue mean anything? Yet even in the strange and twisted effort to communicate through not communicating, holds enough of love to make it meaningful if its interpreter is not its maker. And that's, you know, in this particular church, someone would get up and speak in tongues and another person would 
interpret that and it was always very uplifting so fortunately the person who was interpreting uh, really was uh, communicating God's love but it but it was interesting to think about that you know I wasn't raised in a church at all and I came to know Jesus when I was 24 so I didn't have any of the background of any kind of religion. And <clears throat> anyway, that's what I thought of when I when I when I heard this paragraph. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your dream, Robin Marie, because it seems to describe or, you know, it creates a a beautiful picture of what I think the text is pointing at, you know, two voices. And one is is obscure being, and in a real sense, just being obscurity. And the other just asks for perfect communication and release of what we would keep hidden. And it's just like, <laughs> and I get that thing of waking waking up and going, what is why do I see this problem? Anyway, go yeah. ahead. Well, it's the internal voices and the internal, you know, parts that we have within ourselves that that we need to uh, expose. We need to open up the doors to all those places, the child and, you know, the old lady or old man and, you know, whatever is... Um, is ob- ob- obscuring God's light, the lies that obscure God's light in all of our personality uh, pieces, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I'm glad that you understood what I was talking about. I think, too, um, your dream, Robin Marie, illuminated the part that you would keep hidden, the private thought, that mm-hmm. that your business, <laughs> which is an attack thought. You know, that's that's I'm defending my own personal private thoughts, and they're mine. Right. And, um, right. That, that we hold no personal private hidden thoughts is, 
the whole point of the text today, I think. Thank you so much. I've still got Harrison's voice from yesterday ringing in my head, but um, thinking who walks with me thousands of times throughout the day and and remembering, you know, that um, the awareness of God's presence is, is always already here and now and, you know, that I'm the one that, that steps into my own private thinking and, and, and worldly thoughts and and focus on the specific, you know, ideas that are are um, named words that name things and um, people, places, and you know that define and differentiate and divide the totality of the oneness of reality. And for me, the whole whole idea behind doing this con- meditation contemplation today is keeping that the awareness of the totality in, in my mind, the oneness of it in mind, and letting go of all those words and to, to um, just remember God's, God's the name in everything, that God is in everything. Oh, it's just lovely to me. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you so much. Have a good day, everybody. Love you all. Love you too. Farewell. You too. Thank you, Robin Marie. This is Donna. Particularly the lesson today. I heard scripture, and um, I heard seven different scriptures that describe what our lesson's teaching us, and all of them except for one was from the book of John. Um, Although I didn't write them all out, um, a line from each one might clarify that. John 5.30, Jesus said, of my own self, I can do nothing. Uh, Matthew 26:39, he says, "Not my will, Father, Thy will be done." John 14:6, he says, "I am the way, the truth, and the light." And 14:26, he tells us, "The Comforter, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit will teach us all things." And 15:26, he says, uh, "The Comforter leads us to all truth." And John 15:16 says. Uh, Jesus says, I have chosen you, I have ordained you. And John 16, 13 um, also confirms the spirit of truth, the comfort that will be given us to lead us into um, 
all truth. I am complete. That's amazing. I love how you do that. Thank you. <laughs> how old is that book? <laughs> so it's exactly the same thing. Yeah, thank you, Donna. Yes, Donna, speaking about that old book, what I find uh, in The Course of Miracles, The Course of Love, and even uh, Dr. Horace works, um, I hear scripture. Everything that is written in any of these books, I believe the last thing will flash before our eyes is every scripture that was spoken and these books in the language that we can understand somewhat now. It's so awesome to see how awesomely complete Almighty God really is and complete. Thank you, Donna. You know, the last couple of paragraphs in the lesson today remind me of the um, what the Course calls the second coming of Christ, when all our perceptions are corrected and we can perceive purely, but the Holy One, the giver of the happy dreams of life, translator of perception into truth, the Holy Guide to heaven giving you has dreamed for you this journey, which you will make and start today with the experience this day holds, out to you to be your own. Into Christ's presence we will enter now, serenely unaware of everything except his shining face and perfect love. The vision of his face will stay with us, but there will be an instant which transcends all vision, even this, the holiest. This we will never teach, for we attained it not through learning, yet the vision speaks of your remembrance of what you knew 
that instant and will surely know again. Sounds like God's final step to me, (laughs) where we all disappear into the heart of God. And I love that line out of the text. Thank you, I'm complete.
Excuse me. Hi, um, hi guys, it's Jude again. I have, um, I woke up, talking about dreams, I woke up this morning and um, I was coming out of a, 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 a lucid awareness of, of my own consciousness. And, but I was dreaming about, in the future, going to the doctors today because I'm going to see my chiropractor. And I was running through my mind how he's going to ask me what I did, you know, my exercises, whether I did walking or went swimming this week. And, and um, I was thinking it's been raining and I haven't done as much as I usually do or could do or should do. And I was shooting myself and feeling the guilt. And just as I woke up, I, I was feeling the guilt. And so in my, my um, awareness that I was dreaming this dream, it wasn't really a dream, it was just thoughts in my head, but what's really the difference, the Course says, we don't know. <laughs> what we think is dreaming is isn't real, it's really dreaming. What we think is awake is really dreaming. So anyways, um, the idea that in this paragraph 19 that um, the truth of one must make the falsity of its opposite perfectly clear. And that's what I'm grateful for. In sharing the idea of what happened to me when I woke up this morning about not blaming myself or shooting myself or judging myself for doing or not doing something, which has nothing to do with my perfect guiltlessness. And I didn't know that we were going to read this slide this morning, but it was illuminated to me before we even got to it. So I just want to thank God for that, that um, he can use the simplest of my daily activities to illuminate to me the truth and the false, and the, the falsity of, of shooting or saying to myself, I should, I could, or I would have, or holding the past against myself is um, something that we do all the time. And, you know, just to be aware of it, and not judge it and just say it's, it's, it's simply not true and to stand in the truth that I am the perfect, perfect part of the one soul, the one son of God and that, that I can't change. I can't distort that. I can't make it into something it's not. I can't make it into a something because it's formless and boundless and limitless and free. And it just brought me such joy this morning when I when I woke up with that and um, just another little hiccup along the road. <laughs> Thanks for giving me a place to share that. <laughs> I'm complete. This is Donna, <clears throat> and listening here, um, stuff started coming to me, and uh, and it, it's just saying the same thing, really, just coming a little different way, 
it occurred to me, if we can't do anything wrong, it's impossible. It may seem like we're doing something wrong, and that which is nothing, but it's impossible for us to do anything wrong because everything that we do do wrong has already been converted by our Father and being brought, uh, the solution brought to us through the Holy Spirit. So even if we seem to be caught in or trapped in, uh, uh, they have their, their divine purpose. We may seem to be lingering in something judging ourselves for age. How do I keep doing this? And yet, oh, Donna, Donna, you're breaking up. Yeah, Donna, you're muffled. Trying not to be too loud. And I thought by doing that, I'm ending up. Uh, is this better? Yeah. Start over. Carry Start on. over, please. Okay. Let me make a lot of noise. Is that better? <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Okay. When I have this on, uh, sometimes it's too loud for some people. Anyway, so to 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 just what I keep getting flashes of seeing is doesn't matter what's going on. This seems to be out of order. We don't need to do anything but be available to let God already, to let the Holy Spirit put in place what's already done. Because when God saw the disorder, he put He put the son to sleep, and then he put all the answers in. No matter how we mess up, it's going to end up working to our good. All things work to the good because we're standing in good, we are good, we're around good, and even the bad that we think we're doing, it has no power in truth. So that ends up being good. All things work together for good. So the more I can walk in that, then the more I stop looking out and seeing what seems to be out of order. We're in heaven as I think Jude made clear. And we are in heaven. That's where we are. We are perfect. That's what we are. We are loved because that's what God is. And he created us in his image and likeness. So I'm blessed, uh, so blessed I showed up today. I am complete. Sounds like perfection, Donna.
Yeah, thank you, Donna. Okay. Yeah, this is Lemoyne. And uh <clears throat> and, uh, it's interesting that uh just how different that's one of the scriptural things you offered, Donna. And just how different it lands now. That statement that where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, there's something that occurs to me a lot, I think, because <laughs> I have to be sure not to make it special, <laughs> because what it's trying to do is back us down off of our uh, our uh, need to focus on um, our individuality as either what is an error or even within that or beyond that to view that salvation is an individual thing and so it's a, it's the statements early in the I think it's fairly early. I think we've read past it already in the course where he says, you know, um, let's see, how does it go? He says, that really there's, I'm going to end up having to paraphrasing it here, that really there's no difference between us and him. There is nothing in him that's not in us, the primary difference is that in him there's nothing else. And, uh, yeah, that is, uh, <laughs> that's the real themes, I think, through this, through this book and trying to get us to, to choose guiltlessness over guilt. And uh, 
this thing of throwing open the doors and letting the light shine it away. A lot of it will just go if it keeps echoing and sustaining it's clear I don't want it. <laughs> and yet it's also quite clear that I put it there and have held it there. And it only echoes because of my cramped psychic fingers are clasping it so tightly. <laughs> so um yeah, and I, I think that statement is uh, that I am the way and the truth and the light. It's always bugged me because it's uh, I see the call in it, and it's a call to follow and be like him. But it's often so often treated as like to make him special and separate from us. It's like uh, that's a the point has been missed there somewhere, but I think the that's not going to get resolved through contention, but just by a, the melting in that that statement um, uh, it doesn't request it, it doesn't demand it. To, Holy Spirit doesn't command, <laughs> you know, it doesn't control. It's just a, a clear call to just join in the truth as best we know it. And uh, so much of what goes on can just be let go of in that, in this state of peace and acceptance. Anyway, hope that helps. But thanks for putting that, having that on your list, Donna, because that landing as a happy invitation now, much more than uh, it always used to be sort of a taunting specialness. That required things that people use it as a call to sacrifice. It's like, no, that's not it. <laughs> um, but yeah, contention is not going to resolve that separation. Thanks again, Donna. Lovely, Lemoyne. Thank you. While you were speaking, Lemoyne, what reminded me was the stuff I got in yesterday's reading. And it occurs to me that it fits with today's reading. And what has occurred to me before is, because I have to admit, I'm not, a, I'm not a student of the lessons. If I don't come here, I don't get them. <clears throat> and um, and one of the things, um, there was some, well, the first one that popped up when you were speaking was about guilt. And from paragraph two yesterday, I got guilt hides reality. <laughs> How much simpler can you get than that? 
<clears throat> and then also from 15, uh, I got, there is only holiness. Anything else is the sleeper's fitful dream. <clears throat> and, um, and about the Holy Spirit, uh, from paragraph 3, the Holy Spirit is God's guide to bring us home. Home is not a material world. And then from five, guilt deepens the dreamer's sleep. So thank you for that because it took me back to this. And um, I picked this probably up yesterday from somebody else who was studying today's lesson. I am complete. Praise the Lord. <clears throat>
Well, this is Lemoyne again, and <laughs> I don't know if anyone on the recording, I'm listening to the recording, will make it this far, but um, through the silence. But yeah, I've uh, spent the last few minutes first in panic. It's like, oh no, I forgot what I was given to close with. <laughs> and I remember. And uh, it is this from uh, chapter 15, Practicing the Holy Instant. And uh, it's uh, I I I just it resonates I believe clearly that this is the great step forward that the lesson talks about here is actually about entering the holy instant and. You know, without the label. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to read just a, a little bit from that, a few sentences from this section. Uh, it's hard to, it can be hard to pick. Let me start here. Be humble before him yet great in him, and value no plan of the ego before the plan of God. Would you learn how perfect and immaculate is the holy altar on which your father has placed himself? This you will recognize in the holy instant in which you willingly and gladly give over every plan but his. For there lies peace, perfectly clear because you have been willing to meet its condition. You can claim the holy instant anytime and anywhere you want it. In your practice, try to give over every plan you have accepted for finding magnitude in littleness. It is not there. Use the holy instant only to recognize that you alone cannot know, cannot know where it is and can only deceive yourself. Here he says, I stand within the holy instant as clear as you would have me. And the extent to which you learn to be willing to accept me is the measure of time in which the holy instant will be yours. The reason why this course is simple is that truth is simple. Complexity is of the ego and is nothing more than the ego's attempt to obscure the obvious. You could live forever in the holy instant, beginning now and reaching to eternity, but for a very simple reason. Do not obscure the simplicity of this reason, for if you do, it will only be because it will be only because you prefer not to recognize it, not to let it go. 
The simple reason, simply stated, is this. The holy instant is a time in which you receive and give perfect communication. This means, however, that it is a time in which your mind is open both to receive and give. It is the recognition that all minds are in communication. It is the recognition that all minds are in communication. It therefore seeks to change nothing, but merely to accept everything. The necessary condition for the holy instant does not require that you have no thoughts which are not pure. But it does require that you have none that you would keep. Innocence is not of your making. It has given you the instant you would have it. Yet it would not be atonement if there were no need for atonement. You will not be able to accept perfect communication as long as you would hide it from yourself. For what you would hide is hidden from you. Anyway, I'm complete. Thanks for being here. All y'all on the call and those listening later. Blessed be.